0: You're listening to The Jazz Session with Jason Crane. Since 2007, the original jazz interview podcast. Lesson 1. Basic Hip
1: Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. This is episode 543 for February 3rd, 2021. On today's show, author and record producer Lori Pepper. I'm recording this intro as I am in the van looking out over beautiful California hills. I am on California 46, I guess uh, just past uh, Paso Robles and not quite as far as Cambria. I am slowly heading up the uh, Pacific coast, although this is about the spot where I'm going to have to reroute because there was a big storm recently that washed part of Highway 1 around Big Sur into the ocean, and I can't get up that way, so I'm going to have to go on to 101, or excuse me, the 101, I'm learning, and uh, head up north that way uh, until I can get to uh, San Francisco. It's been a great trip, and if you are in the Bay Area and you listen to this pretty much uh, around the time it was released, uh, within the next several days after the release of this episode, I'll be in the Bay Area, too, and probably hang around there for a little bit. So if you are interested in possibly getting together for an interview and you're a woman or a non-binary person, let me know, Jason, at com. This show exists and honestly my, my travels are possible because listeners become members. You can become one today for 5 or 10 bucks a month at the slash join Lori Pepper has just released Volume 11 in her unreleased Art Pepper series. It's a 1980 concert from Atlanta. Welcome back to the Jazz Session. Great to see you, Jason, really. It's, it's so good to see you. In fact, uh, this is my first time actually seeing you. We're uh, in your front yard in Los I Angeles. I know.
0: We've <laughs>
1: And uh, you have now joined the uh, small club of uh, three-time guests on uh, the Jazz Session. Wow. However, you... Uh, you might be setting another record because between your second and third appearances, I think it's been about 12 years, wow. 11, 11 or 12 years. Um, and we're here to talk about the newest volume uh, in your uh, unreleased art, which is volume 11. It's a concert that was recorded in Atlanta in 1980. It is absolutely fabulous. Everybody on this recording is just just burning the whole way through. And I thought maybe we could start, because this is usually among the most fascinating parts of these releases, with how it exists in the first place.
2: Well, um, let's see. First, I just want to say, Jason, you know, when you mentioned all the years in between, yeah. you have been at this. You are such a dedicated person, thank and you. you're, the what you put out is so beautiful, oh, always, and full of information. I just wanted to say that thank to you, you. because... It's so impressive. We're about three weeks away from 14 years, I think. Wow. So Yeah, it's okay. been, a, been a little while. All right. I've had my label for, I think, 12 years.
1: Yes. Yeah. I think the first episode you were on was in the 30s, and this episode is going to be 530-something. So you've been around just about as long as yeah. I have putting, yeah. these, putting these records out, because you putting were very these, early in the life of the show. Yeah,
2: well, I, Yeah. So anyway, uh, you asked me how Atlanta came about. How was how it even recorded? How do we have this recorded? Yeah, to to? yeah. Uh, we were, Hart was into his last comeback. Sure. And he was still with his first comeback band, uh, which is Milch Oleviev, Bob Magnuson, and Carl Burnett. And we were scheduled, in in 79, the book Straight Life had come out, and Art got a tremendous amount of publicity. And so he had an agent, a booking agent, and he was getting gigs all over. And this was just a short tour with our band. We went to Boston, uh, Houston, and Atlanta. I hope not in that order. Uh I don't remember <laughs> the order to tell you the <laughs> Those truth three but cities are I know near one I think <laughs> I think Boston was the first and then probably Atlanta and then probably Houston yeah. yeah. But anyway, it was a nice little tour because it was not too hard. Sure. And um and so I have very little memory of the tour because it was so nice. It's only when horrible things happen that I have memories <laughs> stored. So, you know, that if my, if my mind is blank, it was just great. Sure. Right. <laughs> Art was on his best behavior. You know, it was yeah. just really nice. Uh, so we were in Atlanta. I remember we were staying. This is all I remember of Atlanta. We were staying at a hotel. Uh, our friend Chris Fisherman, Art's o- oldest friend, uh, joined us. I remember that because he, he was with me when I was in the hotel gift shop lusting after a ring. <laughs> <laughs> and he told Art to buy me that ring. Oh, that's the right kind of friend. That is the right <laughs> kind. So, and he did. Art bought me the ring. Good man. Yeah. So that's one memory. And uh, the other one is of the venue itself, which I now find was at a Unitarian Universalist church where they often had concerts in this large room. And what they did was they set up chairs, you know, just chairs, all around in a half circle around a little stage. Okay. Meanwhile, Art had asked me to record his concerts. Uh, which I did in the same way I do everything, which is I learn by doing. So great, <laughs> a great many mistakes are made, and uh, this one though worked out okay. Uh, Bob is a little over mic There was only one mic, but it was a good mic, and it was. I had an omnidirectional. I had that set right. Unfortunately, I let the tape run out. I was so enchanted by the last tune on the album, yeah, uh, which was not the last tune of the set, um, uh, Mambo Koyama, that I just forgot all about the tape. Anyway... <laughs> So it runs out during Bob's solo. At any rate, um, so we're seated in the round and the guys played and it was just a perfect little venue. The intimacy of the circle in the, you know, half circle and, uh, the, the, um, I don't know, the warmth of the attendees. It was just really good and everybody was in a real good mood. And Art was just thrilled with the things that happened there, as you'll hear when you play it. I mean, he almost breaks into tears after he plays Patricia, because it was so beautiful, and the audience was right there with the band. And you can hear him, if you listen, You, he's seated uh, next to me in the audience while Milcho plays his solo, and you can hear him saying, wow. Mm. Yeah. You know, that's great. It's really it was a great concert. And you
1: can hear how clued in the audience is at every moment. I mean, they're just they're lapping it up. They are applauding wildly the whole time, whenever, obviously, when appropriate. Um, And he you can I mean, art is just he's being funny. He's telling stories. I'm really glad you left so much of the stage banter. Thank you. Because it really it gives us, you know, so so many records that we hear, even live records. All of that is cut out. And we don't get to hear the artists as a human being other than as expressed through their instrument, so I was really happy to hear all that you know his his story of traveling through the sewers to get
2: <laughs> Milcho, Milcho out of, out of Bulgaria, Bulgaria. <laughs> that That story had so many versions it sounded like one that he had, yeah, uh, he yeah, just he kept working to. it. <laughs>
1: Now I'm amazed to learn that this was recorded with one microphone in front of the band because it sounds so good. I mean, it—you can hear everything. Uh, and actually, as a matter of fact, I—I uh, I, I know you said you—you uh, you thought there was some uh, over-miking on the bass, but I actually really appreciate, especially a live album from this era where you can hear the bass player play. I
2: know. I know. I have the same reaction. In fact, I think I put it in the notes and I wrote to Bob expressing my delight yeah. at being able to hear
1: him, <laughs> hear yeah. what he was doing. And he is such a creative soloist too. I mean, he's obviously he's fabulous when he's holding down the bass roll. but whenever he gets a moment to step out, you know, melodically, he sings. Gorgeous. Oh my god. Yeah, absolutely gorgeous. So, is the set that we hear on this album? Is this kind of a standard repertoire we would have heard if we'd seen Art in this era? I mean, is this kind of absolutely? This is he.
2: He had a, a he had worked out a way to do a set, which is he started out with what was called, you know, I think when he was with Kenton, he really got a sense of how you do a show, because he was such a showman. So, he really, you know, he picked that up, and uh, and he admired it, he liked it. So, um, He'd start out with what he called a real flag waver, which he does on here. It's a up tempo blues. He wrote a lot of those because he, he liked to have them at the beginning of a set. That's all. So blues for Blanche is the first tune. And it's a nice, beautiful, up tempo blues. Written for a cat, right? Written for a cat. <laughs> now, I can't remember the exact order. Does Avalon come after that? I think, uh, that's blues for Blanche, then the trip, then oh, Avalon. Oh, the trip. Okay, yeah. there you go. So the trip is in, uh, what, what tempo is it in? It's like, it's f- f- Five four. It's not so. five four. No, I no. Can't it's either. it's it's in Coltrane's tempo, whatever sure. that is, because he originally got to record it with um with um oh shit. Was that with Elvin? And- with Elvin, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because and he he had written it specifically because he knew he was going to record. Well, he had it, and it was Elvin who yeah. who inspired that. That's great. So whatever that that uh, time signature is, it's. It's so cool. It sounds very Middle Eastern. It has a certain flow. And so that, if he thought the audience was in the right mood, it had been set up by the first track, he was ready to give them something a little more interesting. Then he got to relax Relax with Avalon. The ballad usually came later. And um, ordinarily... The, uh, last tune would be Straight Life or Donnelly. Something that was as fast as anything could possibly be played. Yes. And then if there was an encore, I persuaded him. He, he had to be persuaded. I just wanted a blues, a 12 bar blues, please. Yeah. Slow. <laughs>
1: Well, the, uh, mentioning Straight Life on here. So obviously the book is called Straight Life and, uh, he does, uh, talk about it in the course of the concert to, you know, say that it has come out. Uh, but mentioning the, the song itself, Straight Life, uh, Carl Burnett on drums. I mean, this, the thing is a thousand miles an hour and, uh, Carl Burnett never sounds like he's holding on. He always sounds like he could go faster if he needed to. Yeah. He just, he's driving the entire time. Yeah. And you know what amazing. Art's
2: criticism of Elvin was? What was that? He can't play fast. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: uh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> A quick break from the interview to remind you to become a member I live in a van I travel around the country and I do all of it on less than a thousand bucks a month your help is greatly appreciated in keeping gas in the tank food in my tummy and the show on the air so please go to patreon.com slash the jazz session today and become a member you'll get early access to shows and bonus shows and all kinds of cool things thanks so much now back to the interview remember anything besides the crowd's mood like about the crowd who who were they what what were they like where did they come from do you remember anything about
2: about atlanta jazz fans you know i have no idea i don't know how it was advertised somebody later sent me some newspaper clippings announcing it from a you know a small atlanta paper uh but i know nothing else about it they were Really appreciative.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's the kind of crowd you, you really enjoy playing in front of, it sounds like. Um, to get from, so first of all, you recorded it on your, was it a real to real deck at that time? Was it? No, no. It It
2: was a, it was a cassette deck made by Sony called, I think it was a TCD 5. And it was a good quality with little meters and everything on it. And the microphone was a Sony mic. And it was really like a high-end mic. And I had learned enough to know how to make it omnidirectional or close it off or whatever. I had learned that much. And I probably had some tape and taped it to a music stand or something. Right. And to get from
1: that tape to the record we now have in our hands... Uh, there was a master in the middle there somewhere? Oh, there were people in the middle, yes.
2: <laughs> um, first of all, I have a zillion tapes. I wish I could show you. I have a lot of tapes. And there is a serious fan, a serious Art Pepper fan, jazz fan, uh, who's also technologically adept, a guy named Rocco Bertels. And he lives in Belgium. And he c- came here. That whole sentence, a guy named
1: Rocco Bertels who lives in Belgium and is an Art Pepper fan. Yeah. Everything about that I, just I know.
2: Love. He's a collector, yeah. you know. <laughs> so I've now known him for something like 12 years, maybe longer. I don't know. But he's been here to L.A. like three times. Okay. And the last time he was here, he digitized every single tape that I have. And he's really good at it, so he did a good job. Then, after the digitization takes place, then I do things with them. In this case, though, the original tapes were in good enough shape to take them to Wayne Pete, okay. uh, who is a musician and the mastering guy I've ever, I've used ever since the second album I put out. In fact, I had him fix the work that was done by somebody else on the first tape. Because Wayne, first of all, he knows how a jazz band should sound. He knows how arts, saxophone and clarinet are supposed to sound. And, uh, he's invaluable. He's just incredible what he does. In fact, once he said that there was a dropped on one of the albums that had Milcho on it. During Milcho's solo, there was a dropout on the tape. So he pulled in his piano and he fixed it.
1: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's going the extra mile, right I there? think so. Yeah.
2: Were the the
1: the band plays together like a group of people who really enjoyed playing with one another and were, were friendly with one another. Is that how it actually was? That behind is exactly the how it was.
2: Um there w- The only tension that there ever was in that band was between Art and Milcho. And that built up over time to the point where uh, we had to leave Milcho. But everybody did because Milcho was a really, he was a genius and he was an incredibly difficult human being. I mean, he was just a contrary guy, and um, I think part of the problem was just the challenge that Art was the leader, and that Milcho felt that he was equally important. And in some ways, you know, in Bulgaria, he had been. Sure. <laughs> but uh, you know, he he. <sighs> We had a lot of comp, Milcho and I had a lot of conversations later on. I've got some taped Skype conversations <laughs> with him. And I said, you know, why did you sabotage art solos so much? And which, you know, art said he was playing too many notes. That's all. And Milcho finally said, you know, Laurie, I don't comp. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I get it. <laughs> Oh, so that God. was a, a problem. And in fact, on one liner note, I said that Milcho didn't seem to pull any of those shenanigans with Jack Sheldon uh, when he worked with Jack. Yeah. And I said in the liner note, I said, probably because Milcho and Jack didn't know each other that well yet. And Milcho agreed that that was exactly the case. He only uh, familiarity bred uh, license, yeah. so you know, so that's why Milcho had to be left.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I can understand that. And
2: also, there was another reason, of course, which is that Art adored George Cables. Yeah, you know, I mean, the idea of working with George Cables for Art was just pure heaven. So yeah, yeah, I adore him too. Um, and I'll
1: just uh, self-servingly mention that George has been on this show, and you can go in the archives and uh, find that interview. If and isn't like.
2: he the greatest? He
1: is. As a matter of fact, uh, when he was on the show, we did the interview in a room with a piano, and so at the end, he just played. And oh man, talk about a command performance from George Cables was uh, that was one of the highlights. I have to say. Thinking about the book coming out and art getting all this publicity at that time, uh, you can imagine a scenario in which it would be almost like a sideshow. Like, here's this real tell-all book. Let's go see the the creature who made it. But I don't get the feeling at all from all the recordings that you've released that there was anything other than love in these crowds. And also, it wasn't like art was past his ability to play. Oh, God. He was... He was burning on all these records. So it's, you know, it's not like the tell all and then like the guy 30 years past his prime is out there just trying to cash in on it. I mean, this is a guy who's still at the top of his game and crowds who sound to me at least very much like they still love him and the music.
2: You should have seen the crowds the first time we went, well, if, whenever we went to Japan, but the first time we went, uh, They were lined up around the whole place just to get an autograph. I mean, it it, it was like art was the Beatles or something. He could not believe it. So, yeah, the crowds were beautiful, always. Because I think one of the things about the book, be be, about Straight Life, is that art is so honest in it and so self-revealing and not self-aggrandizing uh, but, you know, just lays it all out there that people can identify with him as a fellow human, you know, and he would get things all the time. I mean, there was real love there. Uh, and Art needed that love from those people. He really, he, he needed it and he was great. He was always so grateful for it. Yeah, we talk a lot on this show about the relationship
1: between the performer and the audience and sometimes it's, Sometimes it doesn't actually sound like there's much of one there in some cases. And you go see some shows and you don't I don't think you feel as much like the performer is drawing off your energy. And, of course, I never got to see art, but just all of I'm the live sorry. recordings. I know. Oh. me too All of the live recordings that I've heard. It, it sounds like uh, no relationship could have been closer than art and the crowd's no. energy. No,
2: he was right there with him.
1: Yeah which makes such a difference. I mean, you even mentioned before, um, you know, I'm, I'm now in my late 40s and I have somewhat surprisingly gotten into The Grateful Dead in the last year and a half, and So, um, kind of out of nowhere. And so
2: I've been listening. My son-in-law is a deadhead. Is he? Oh, very
1: nice. So, yeah, I've suddenly become one. And so I've been listening to all these shows and noticing how much um, things move along a line of the crowd's response. And uh I really like that about the way Art thinks about putting shows together too because even if he has a plan it sounds like there's room to adjust and he also is very much just like r- surfing this wave of the energy in the room which is really
2: cool to hear Yeah yeah he really is Yeah he, no he loved the audiences in fact the Ronnie Scott uh yeah. material the last night he just told the audience I love you
1: Yeah that's really beautiful
2: um, will you tell me about
1: the uh, – and I encourage folks also to go back and hear your first two appearances on the show uh, to hear more of this material. But will you talk about some of the responses you get from people when you release this unheard Oh, God.
2: Material? Whenever I think of just – you know, it's a lot of work. I can It imagine. costs money. Yeah. And it's really exhausting, especially now I'm 80, right? And it's it's really – pretty exhausting to do uh, and there are times when I think oh god I don't want to do this anymore but there are two things that make me do it again one of them is just the music I am so inspired by the music and I feel like everybody ought to hear this not just the people who were at the gig right and the other thing is the response of the people The gratitude, the sweetness, the kindness of all these people who get back to me and tell me how grateful they are and how wonderful it is. And, you know, so of course, you know, I I can't deny them this great music.
1: Uh, Now, I hope you live to be a thousand, uh, which would mean you'd have time to put out all the material you have. But it sounds like you have a ton of material. And uh, do you have any kind of idea of what's going to happen to what doesn't get put out? I mean, is there a library somewhere that's going to get all of this recorded material?
2: Actually, my plan is for my daughter to inherit the company. And possibly my granddaughter as well. I don't know whether she's going to want to do it or not. Um, but also, uh, Cheryl Pavelski of Omnivore is going to be tied up with this. Okay. Uh, she has put out, I've licensed a number of things to her already. So she is going to be part of the, whatever happens to it. And then there is Rocco in Belgium, who is a lot younger than me. And so is Cheryl. And certainly so is my daughter. So uh, between them, and Rocco definitely will be a part of this, because he knows better than anybody what I've got. He knows better than I do what I've got. So uh, yeah, so that's what's going to happen. Now, there is an issue, which is that um, inevitably, it was a short period of time that Art and I were touring with bands That I got recordings of sure. And recordings of the earlier periods There are almost none okay. You know, live recordings Lighthouse or whatever And um so it's the same tunes a lot of the time And whenever I find a tune That I've never seen before on any album I say, oh my god, you know but there are a lot of the same tunes. Now, real jazz fans won't mind. I was going to say, much like the Grateful Dead, those are all the same
1: tunes too, but it's just how they're played differently. Exactly. And to hear and the solo, that's all I care yeah.
2: Exactly. And the solos are always entirely different. Yeah. So, you know, as long as there are fans who recognize that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll
1: hear 700 Mambo Koyamas and I won't be tired. Thank you. <laughs> tired Me too. So you can Me put out an too. Old Mambo oh my I would I'll love
2: still... <laughs> to do that. An Over the Rainbow yes. album, oh, absolutely. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Totally. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I don't think any Art Pepper fan is going to say, oh gosh, not, a, not another amazing solo over Over the Rainbow. Or The yeah. Trip. Oh Ryan. yeah, totally. One more break from the interview to thank the folks who make this show possible, starting with the members and also the Respect Sextet at respectsextet.com for the theme music and Dave Rabel for the logo. Chuck Ingersoll is the voice of the intro. You can hire him at hearchucknow.com. Follow The Jazz Session on Twitter at jazzsesh and on Instagram at thejazzsession. If you'd like to keep up to date with my travels, podcasts, poetry, and more, subscribe to my newsletter. Just go to thejazzsession.com and click on the newsletter link. Now back to the interview. I'm curious now. You've now you've been doing this widow's taste label for a, a dozen years or more, and um, it it is one of those things. Like your your life has continued. I, I want to make sure people understand that that you your you've had a life a full life post. The Pepper era. Oh God, yeah. And continued to do many things, and written, and you know, just been a, a, an active person in the world. And so, because of what, one of these things that you've chosen to do with your life, you have to kind of continually revisit this period in your past. Is that? Is it? Is it enjoyable to do it? Is it still? Let enjoyable me tell you?
2: you something about the past. <laughs> <laughs> I um, okay. I wrote another book called Art, Why I Stuck with a Junkie Jazz Man, where I revisited our life together. And it was, I love writing about the past. I am now working on an autobiography, which inevitably, I know, I'm going to self-publish, you know, <laughs> what the hell. But I love time travel. And the thing about writing, the big secret about writing about the real honest-to-God past is is that suddenly things come to you that you didn't know you remembered. And just something will spark them, and you'll get deeper and deeper into them. And, I mean, I cherish my past. I cherish the people I cherish the events even the bad ones I cherish the objects in my life I I can in my head I have a floor plan of every place I ever lived and lots of hotel rooms I mean it's just I love the past I'm not living in it thank God for my sweetie pie Hugh Let's give him a nod and my dog and my cat, right, and my house and my general life, right, and my friends. I have good friends, but I love the past. I love it. It's a treasure. It's like walking into a treasure house. So, yeah, I, I never get tired of that. Well, that's a, that's a
1: beautiful way to put that. And I mean, we're all very lucky that you feel that way because I, for one, would like as many of these albums <laughs> to come out as is humanly possible. So, um, if, uh, I, this show is listened to by a lot of people who are even, even younger, well, significantly younger than me. I mean, people in their twenties, you know, who might mm-hmm. be in, in music Thank school. Thank God. Now. Yeah. Oh, God.
2: <laughs> God bless them. And, and so
1: for whom, like, even, <laughs> like I was alive when this concert was recorded and what was old enough to I mean I I didn't live anywhere near Atlanta but was old enough that I could have gone to see it and right. would have appreciated it but for a lot of people who hear this show even 1980 is the dim and distant amazing past. <laughs> um, for folks who are maybe Through this interview right now, being exposed to Art Pepper for the first time, which I think is a real possibility, is there any guidance you can give someone like that about how to how to start listening, what they what they might need to know, what where to start where to start digging in that vault? Because
2: it is a massive. Yeah, well, it depends on, on what moves you. I mean, I am a big fan of gospel and blues. Art had that. He had that from his experiences on Central Avenue. And I'm beginning to think that maybe his mother, uh he mentioned that his mother used to like blues music. You know, she was a floozy, basically, <laughs> <laughs> to put it nicely. And um so, you know, he got that very early on. And. I mean, nobody can play the blues any better than R. Pepper does. It's really true. So if you like the blues, R. Pepper is your man for blues and jazz. Um, he also uh, is so lyrical and beautiful. So if you like beauty, you know, the ballads are beyond Anything you've ever heard. Seriously. I don't think anybody ever played ball any jazz player ever played a ballad any more beautifully than Art Pepper did. And Art believed that too. He actually did believe that too. And I think he was right, you know. And okay, so there there we've got blues and we've got ballads. Now, bebop is a little harder and it takes a little longer. But if you listen to the conversational aspect of great bebop, you will hear somebody talking to you and you will hear musicians talking to each other. And if you listen for that, pretty soon you will begin to get a sense that this is a level of conversation that you're listening to that could be expressing anything you need it to express. And, uh, you know, it took me a while when I was young to get to like bebop. Charlie Parker was what got me because it sounded like he was talking to me. Plus, Charlie Parker was very witty. Oh, I should say Lester Young got to me even before that because, uh, because of the sweetness and beauty and swing. I mean, it's irresistible. Actually, I would instruct anybody starting to listen to jazz to start with Lester and Billy. Seriously. That's how I started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. That's definitely, uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. A mm-hmm. piece of advice, I think. Uh, we're coming to a close. I uh, I really want to encourage people too who are fans of of the bass. Everybody on this record sounds incredible. Yeah, but Bob, but Bob I know he just sounds amazing on he this whole record.
2: I know. I actually had to write to him. I was so delighted.
1: Oh yeah. It, I mean, he. I've of course I've heard a lot of recordings of his playing, yeah. but I think this particular recording is a revelation for folks who uh, who just want to hear bass played just unbelievably lyrically. And I mean, he plays in all the, you know, super fast stuff too. But his, I mean, his solos on uh, the kind of more exposed, delicate moments, they're just breathtaking. Aren't they? Really breathtaking. Aren't they beautiful? Yeah. Before we bring this to a close, uh, as a person who has read Straight Life quite a number of times now, I was excited uh, before we started recording to hear about a project that you're working on that I hope you'll tell us about now.
2: Yeah. I am, uh, because the publisher is not doing it, even though Straight Life is a classic, and it knock on wood, it does not go out of print. Uh, it's the best jazz biography, and one of the best biographies I think ever so. Written Absolutely about anyone. So, and I certainly hear that from a lot of people. Now, I happen to be a major audiobook fan. I mean. There is almost nothing that, you know, no housework, driving, whatever. I am always, I listen to books as I fall asleep. So I like audiobooks, and it seems criminal to me that this isn't one, and I've been trying to work it out for years now to get it done, but it's expensive and you need an actor and you need a person with the right kind of voice, and you need money, right, for a studio and mastering. Well, I decided that before I die, I'm going to do it myself, so I have been reading it uh, into a microphone and as I told you later I learned from my mistakes it took me about a week of not reading the manual and just tearing my hair <laughs> to learn how to do this right and I've got it set up now uh, and I'm reading it into a microphone I'm editing it so that the sound is good you know and the truth is, even though it's kind of weird for this stuff to be being read by a woman, I know the story almost by heart, and I know how it's supposed to sound. So it's easy for me. I don't think I could do this with another book as well. It's easy for me to express what I'm reading. And so I'm doing this audiobook of straight life. It'll probably take me, I figure, about a year. And, and I'm, but I'm going to start putting it out as a podcast, as a serial.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
2: I know. It is cool. I love serials too. Anyway, yeah.
1: yeah. Well, that is fabulous, and uh, folks, I'll definitely let you know when this starts coming out. Oh, and and there will be music
2: in it, of course, because I own a lot of music. Oh,
0: that's
1: wonderful. (laughs) Right. Oh, we get to dig even deeper into the fabulous And
2: Art's voice. Some of Art's voice from the Straight Life tapes will be included.
1: Yeah. Oh, that all sounds fabulous. My guest is Lori Pepper. Volume 11 in the unreleased Art Pepper series is a live concert from Atlanta recorded in 1980. It is an absolute genius. Gem. If you haven't dug into the series yet, this is a great place to start because it sounds amazing and the playing is top-notch. Uh, and if you're already a fan, this will just continue to make you happy. Uh, it's been such a pleasure uh, getting to know you over the years. Uh, and finally meeting so, you. Yeah, so yeah. grateful to have the chance to do it in person. What's
2: so funny is that you look exactly like yourself. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I haven't had any work done yet. So. Yeah, Give it time. Give it time. Okay. <laughs> next time you see me, I'll be 6'3". Uh, uh, All yeah. right. Uh, so anyway, Lori Pepper, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Jason. Thanks to this week's guest, Lori Pepper. If you value what you just heard, become a member for five or ten bucks a month at com slash join. And then come back next time for another conversation about jazz on The Jazz Session.